0: Gateway Church. We are a growing family after God's heart. Our desire is to love one another unconditionally, speak truthfully, right? Care how compassionately and encourage liberally, all right? We'll keep working on those statements. That's that's who we are. That's our desire. Last week I started my message by telling you about a scar That I have on my right hand, just below my thumb, all right, and how I got that scar, and I use that scar as as an illustration, talking about uh, the, the, the man in the Old Testament, Joshua, who went through a lot of things in his life, that was last week, how his life was scarred, right, but God healed him, and he could look back at those scars, touch them, they didn't produce pain any longer. In fact, he named his children to communicate that God had healed him from the inside out. Named his kid Manasseh, which means God has made me forget all my troubles in the past. And Manasseh, which means twice blessed. God's, God has blessed me and will continue to bless me. And I talked about the window at the, the The French doors that that I I broke with my my hands. And I was so mad at my sister's point aggravation. Well, went home for lunch. But before that, I was drinking coffee out there after church. And it was like all these guys came up to me. And you know what they wanted to talk about? Scars that they had on their their bodies. They're going, hey, check this one out. (laughs) They're rolling up their sleeves. They're, they're, they're showing me the cuts and marks and gouges. One guy said, I just had stitches in. You want to see the stitches that I have? It's going to be a nice scar. Then I went home, had lunch. My son, Christopher and Maren, her granddaughter, Addison, they were there. And when Maren comes, she she likes to, to look at pictures of Christopher when he is a boy, a little boy. So we get the... Deanna gets the container out with all the, kit, the pictures and starts going through them. And they're laughing and carrying on having fun. And then Deanna, she really is starting to laugh. And she brings over this picture. She says, you won't believe it. Check this picture out. There it is. The, French, the very French doors that I was talking about just hours before. It's that one right there. That's the one I broke. The middle one. Put my hand right through it. And you can see there's a little mark right here. You know what was there? That was a Nerf basketball rim. Got a bunch of marks. You could shut the door. And I played one-on-one with my best friend, Kevin. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of games of one-on-one. And there I am. Whoa, that's, take me back. That's me, Right? No, that's Christopher. <laughs> it's it's June twenty second, two thousand two. I told him about playing basketball here. I said we got to get a Nerf hoop, and it's not the same kind because it's so low. We're so tall. We want it up here. My mom, when I would play one on one with, with uh, Kevin, the 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 wall was back. And there was a couch there, and mom used to crawl up on that couch and be, be sleeping and snoring away, all right? She was just snoring, so tired. And we'd be playing one on one. We'd have to throw the Nerf ball against the back, the, the back wall, because that was when you scored, you, that's how you switch positions. And that ball sometimes would land on mom's head, her face. We'd be jostling for it. And she would just sleep through the whole thing. (laughs) But she loved when we did it. She loved it. As a church, we're a family. We laugh together, we cry together. Even when they talk about the scars in their own lives, it's not that they don't hurt, they do. And sometimes the wound is fresh, and to talk about a scar is very painful because that comes later when the healing is complete. And so you can cry. I trust that we can be that kind of family. We pray together. We worship together. Isn't this great? We come here together as a family, and it doesn't matter where we're at in the walk of life, where, whatever status that the world says we're in, at the cross, we are all on equal plane, right? We're equal, all of us. The world would want to say, this person's more significant. No, we're all equal together, equally loved by Jesus. We come together. We are one in him. We worship together. We sing songs that focus in on what we truly believe. Who it is that we love. We learn together. God's word, that's what we're doing right now. We're going to learn today. It's going to make a difference in our lives. We're in chapter 4 of our study through the New Testament letter of 1 John. The title of the series is this, On the Grow and In the Know. That's the, the title. It, it's kind of goofy, but the, this is what I had kind of stirring in my heart. On the Grow, because it's a, it's a letter, it's a book about growing in our discipleship in Jesus and in the know because there's there's false teaching that will try to enter in and try to make a way in our minds, in the church. So we gotta be in the know, we gotta know the word, we gotta have strong doctrine. Take a look at our statement of faith if you haven't read it for a while. Membership class, we go through it line by line. It's a great statement of faith. It helps us, it's like a compass. So we need to be in the know. We are in an in-the-know passage of our study today. John is writing to Christians in the first century of the church and warns them about a couple of false teachings from false prophets that were trying to make an inroad in the church. And he says these words, dear friends, verse 1, 1 John 4, do not believe every spirit because there's a spirit behind every teaching every teaching that you receive. I don't care who the preacher is, who's proclaiming. There's a spirit behind that. Don't just accept everything that somebody says, hook, line, and sinker, without testing it in the word. Guess what you're supposed to do today? Just take everything I say and believe everything and just, no, you're hopefully... It lines up with the word, right? Why? Test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. John says in the first verse, he does a couple of things here. Number one, John gives us a command to test. Why? Because there's spirit behind every teaching. Number two, he gives the reason to test. Verse one, because many false prophets have gone into the world. We can't afford to believe everything we hear. There are false prophets now because there were false prophets then. What was the church up against in this century? What were some of the false teachings? They were confronted with a couple of major false teachings. And this is where it gets a little kind of like, you know, if this is is the time to take, if you want, this would be the time to take like a minute and a half nap, all right? But only that long. You won't, though. Because there's names for these false teachings then, but nothing's really changed. And I'm going to tell you, at the core of every false teaching, what, where they're off. So there were two, two of them. Docetism and Gnosticism. Don't write that down, all right? It's not that important. Just what, what they believed was false, all right? What's important is that you understand How to confront heresy when it tries to enter your mind or the church. Docetism teaches that Jesus' physical body was only an aberration or an illusion. This idea is a product of Gnostic philosophy. The Gnostics believed that matter is evil. Therefore, Jesus could not be God incarnate because a physical body could not be good. Docetism taught that a, spirit, as, that a spiritual Christ entered into the human Jesus at his baptism and then left when he was crucified. They believed that Jesus' main objective was to deliver us from the dominion of matter, which is evil. Jesus could not come in the form of matter since matter was what he came to overcome. That was their logic. But it was heresy. And it denies the resurrection because Jesus' physical body would still be matter. Do you get that? you see that? The Gnostics, they were this crazy group, kind of this mystical group. And they thought there was something beyond Jesus. All right, Jesus is cool. All right, okay, we can we can agree that he's here, but he's just a starting point. There's hidden knowledge. There's hidden meanings. There's this other stuff beyond him. But here's the common thread in these heresies, and in all of them today, is what is their theology of Jesus Christ? They were off on their view and understanding of the person and the deity of Jesus Christ. Therefore, their teaching was false, and they were false prophets. I mean, you can hear some stuff and it sounds really good and you can buy into it and then later on you're figuring out, wait a second, what do they really believe about Jesus? Because isn't that what it's all about in the end? Who is he? If you're off one degree on the compass here in Elk River and you're going to the North Pole... It may appear you're on track when you get to Princeton and somewhere in northern Minnesota, but guess what? You're going to end up somewhere in Sweden or Russia, not the North Pole. And it's like, I think I'm going in the right direction. Therefore, we we must continually ask the question, when we hear anyone's teaching, what is their Christology? Christology. What are their core beliefs about Jesus Christ? Who is he? What is his nature? What is the anchor of this teaching that I hear as a whole? I hope that you can say about my teaching, if you've been here for two weeks or 25 years, that constantly and consistently, you're going to hear about him. Amen. You're going to talk about who he is, why he came, how you can know him. And it will never get old. I will never stop preaching about Jesus. Amen. Oh, but there's so much more. There's, no, there's not so much. It all leads to him. The work of the Holy Spirit is to magnify Jesus. It's to make us aware of his teachings. Getting Jesus right is our true north and our safeguard. Verses 2 and 3. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And that presupposes a clear understanding of the Trinity. I mean, John, if there's anyone, the apostle, who talked more about the deity of Jesus Christ, is John, go to the gospel, and he, he talks. He, the red letter he, of Jesus saying, I and the Father are one. Before Abraham was, I am John 8, 58. John wrote this all down for us to know and read and build our theology. But every spirit that does not acknowledge that Jesus, does not acknowledge Jesus, is not from God. This is the spirit of, of the Antichrist. What you have heard is coming, and even now is where? It's here. The world isn't going to all of a sudden like us. Like, wow, I am so in love with you Christians. You are so great. I mean, the middle ground is shrinking before our very eyes. Don't be afraid to say the name of Jesus. He is Lord. So what does this mean for us? What's the take home? Now I want you to wake up, all right? If you were sleeping before, took a little break, (laughs) it's time to wake up because I'm going to give you the take home. I want to challenge you if you're a believer, a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ, to keep going back to the basics. We are never to move past the basics, but to continue to build on them, to build on the cornerstone of our faith, which is Jesus Christ. So this is what I want you to take home today. I want you to know this. I just want you to know it. What got you on track... Is the very thing that will keep you on track. Amen. What got you on track if you're a Christian, a follower? The basics. The basics got you on track, and it's the basics that will keep you there. We get off track when we're not anchored in Christ and tied tightly to Him. We know how that goes. If we're not tied tightly to Jesus, we drift. And we got to cut the slack, get the slack, get that rope tight. He is our true spiritual north, and responding to his lordship in complete and absolute surrender. If he is Lord, everything is his my heart, my affection, my time, everything. The test John writes about is the test of one's Christology. That really is the the ultimate litmus test. It simply means here's the basics. What do you believe about Jesus Christ? One, who is he? He is God incarnate. Amen? God who has come in the flesh in the person and humanity of Jesus Christ. This is what we believe. It's fundamental to our faith. John doesn't say that he came into flesh. Hear me. He doesn't say that. It says that he came what? In the flesh. Not into already existing flesh. Not into some prophet. He wasn't just a prophet who came. He he was a prophet, but... He was so much more. He came in, God came in the flesh. He didn't descend into an already existing man. He came and was born. He came and dwelt in that little tiny baby in the mystery of the incarnation in the very womb of Mary and was framed and formed there to the God-man. 100 percent God, 100 percent man. Essence of very essence. That's the basics. Knowing one, who He is, two, knowing what, why did God come to, you, to Earth? What was his mission? We know the ultimate work was the cross, and that's what we celebrate here. This is the Lord's table. It's all about the cross and the sacrifice that he made because we were born as enemies of God, not as friends. He loved us, though. He went on a mission. God did. Second person of the Trinity, the Father, sent the Son. The Son said, no, I don't want to go. He, he, I always do what the Father says. He said, Yes, he came, he died on a cross, right? The guilty for the unguilty. He became sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He carried my sin. He carried my sin. I stand before a holy God in the righteousness of God, never to be judged of my sin as a whole. Past, present, future, all forgiven because his mission was to go to a cross. Three. Basic number three, knowing why or knowing how I can know him. In a personal way. Romans 10.9 If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart. God raising from the dead. I do. I'll be, you'll be saved for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, but it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. It's the basics. That's what got you on track. That's what's going to keep you on track. These are the fundamental questions of the faith and the answers. Closes the story. Okay, it's time for a story. I was thinking about this message. It's like, Lord, I, how, can, how can I put a face on this message? And Deanna told me the story and she was in iraq about this young man abed right here abed's an arab grew up in tikrit iraq Tikrit is the same city that Saddam Hussein was from. I think that was the city that they found him in a cave or whatever in a hole. Abed, he's just a—he's such a cool kid. I wish I i wish would have met him. And those on the team who went to Sulaimaniyah met this young man. And it's just quite a story. He hears the gospel, and I don't know all the the details of how he heard the gospel, but he he, as best as he knows how, he 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 says, "Jesus, you know, I believe." And then the ISIS comes; it's pushing against that city, and and his family they flee, and they don't know where to go. They end up in Sulaimania, in 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 the Kurdish region. He's an Arab. And the Kurds and the Arabs don't always see eye to eye. So he, he comes to a land now. He doesn't speak Kurdish. He's not one of them. But they're fleeing from ISIS. And this is where they end up. Sulaimania. And he's got a Bible. He's got this Bible and he carries this Bible with him and he forgot it in the back seat of his car. And his parents are just not happy with Abed because they know he's reading his Bible, this Bible, this book, and something's going on. So they see his Bible. They're mad. They take his Bible from him, forbid him to read the Bible. Guess what Abed does? He downloads the Bible on his phone. (laughs) There it is. It's on his phone. He's reading the word. Probably going, I don't understand it. I wish someone would come into my life. I, I don't know. I'm just saying, maybe this is what he's thinking. Who could explain this in more detail? His parents are just so mad at him. Tell him, quit reading that, that Bible. He doesn't. They're not, they're not wanted in Sulemonia They're trying to figure out what to do next. They're in their apartment or where they live in. Abed comes home to where he used to live. Guess what? No one's there. They left. They left him, disowned him, took everything took his papers. He has no ID. He has, he has no papers, no identification. He has no money. The clothes that he has are the clothes that are on his back. He's in a city that he doesn't know hardly anything about. He doesn't know the language. He's working on the language. He learns English by watching movies, so he swears a lot. No, I don't know that. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, time out. You don't want to learn that phrase. No, I... He's, he's sleep deprived. He's afraid to, to find a place to sleep because he thinks someone's going to hurt him. So he's... He's wandering the city. He, somehow he knows he's, there's a church here. I heard there's a church here. He runs into the sky on the street. Sir, do you know where the church is? He asks the question. He doesn't know it, but he just happened to run into the pastor of the International Church in Sulaimania, Pastor Brad Trosen. He was here a few years ago. We commissioned he and his wife, Scott and Katie Wiggins were here. And I love what Brad said in response to his question: "Where's the church?" Abed asked. You know what he said? I'm the church. <laughs> is that great? <laughs> Where's the church? I am the church. He was looking for a building. We know that the building isn't the church. The church is you and I together, right? You are the church. I'm the church. When we leave, this is just a box. The church leaves when you leave. I am the church. And he builds a relationship with this Young man, doesn't bring him right in right away, but gets him some food and clothes, and finds him shelter. And then eventually, he knows, okay, I can trust this kid. He invites him into his home, and and Abed lives with Brad and Laura right now, has his own room. And you know what he's learning? Because that statement, "I am the church," is packed full of meaning. It means I'm a believer. I believe in everything that Jesus says, who he is, why he came, how I can know him. I am the church. And Jesus is the Lord. He's my Lord. And this is who Jesus is. And this is what Jesus does. You think he got saved? You think Abed believes in Jesus? Do you think God has a plan for his life? Yeah. What got us on track, what got Abed on track, is the very thing that will keep you there. Headed true north. You started there. Guys, beloved, come back to Christ. Don't move beyond him. Don't move past him. Keep your compass set and follow it to the T on Christ. I'm going to ask the communion stewards if they'll come. We're going to close with communion. Baptism. Two ordinances in the church baptism and communion, and we're doing both today. This is called the Lord's table in in the Bible. When you hold that, that bread up, it's symbolic of his body, broken for us, right? When you hold that cup up and, and drink it, it's symbolic of his blood shed for us. So we proudly and profoundly declare that we're pro-Jesus, Colossians 1.15 through 20. I used to have this memorized. I'm going to go back and memorize it again. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. This is his table. For in him, in Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him, and for him. He is before all things. And in him. Jesus. All things hold together. And he's the head of the body. The church. He's, he's the head. Surely not me. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in. Everything. He might have the supremacy, Jesus Christ, have the supremacy in my life over everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace. Through his blood shed on the cross. And so we're going to celebrate Jesus today. Your relationship is never in question if you're a Christian. But your fellowship can be strained. And that's just when we, don't, when we live in, in unconfessed sin. We give in to the devil and the flesh the world so we just need that fellowship that tightness with Jesus and how we do that is we just confess our sins to him and he'll purify us right first John 1 9 so we want we want all of us to do that before we take of the bread and of the cup spend that time